If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. The global data intelligence company Morning Consult is out with its semi-annual State of Travel and Hospitality report. Now, this takes a look at trends in the world of travel and hospitality, what people are looking for when they travel, how they're traveling, and what it all means for the future. It is really interesting stuff, and we wanted to talk more about it. So we caught up with Lindsay Roschke. She is a travel and hospitality analyst at Morning Consult. We have done a lot of discussions with folks from Morning Consult, but just for listeners maybe that aren't familiar, kind of talk to us a little bit about what the goal of this state of travel report was. So at Morning Consult, we are a decision intelligence company. So we use high frequency survey research to uncover what's going on with consumers and and help businesses to make decisions to, to kind of answer what consumers are looking for and, and what they expect. So for the state of travel and hospitality, what we were really hoping to do was uncover what's happening in the travel industry right now, what consumers are doing, how travelers are changing their behavior, what they expect of the companies that they travel with, really to kind of get a sense of how the landscape is shifting over time, both because of COVID concerns and also cost concerns and, you know, what we might be able to predict in the near future in the space. Can you just give us a little insight into the methodology that's utilized? Yeah, there are a few different surveys that we leverage for this specific report. Um, the first and most important is a monthly survey of 2,200 U.S. adults. So we ask a series of travel questions on a monthly basis. So we can kind of track what's happening over time. And that sample is, is representative of the U.S. population. So it gives us a sense of, you know, what's happening with Americans as a whole. We also field a quarterly international travel survey. So we ask several questions of folks in different markets across the globe. And then we also have a weekly return to normal survey. So it's one that we've been running since March of 2020. And the purpose of that is to really look at how concerns and behaviors are shifting specifically related to COVID. And because that is weekly, we can really look at the changes in in real time. So it's a combination of those three different surveys that go into all of the insights in the report. And digging into the report, it's interesting. There's a lot of takeaways on kind of different fronts. And the first one, it seems like it that it shows that if people have concerns about travel, we have gone from concerns from a health and safety COVID protocols to inflation. It costs more, quote unquote, normal <laughs> concerns when it comes to uh you know, people deciding whether or not to travel. Yeah, absolutely. So I think earlier in 2022, there was a lot of optimism about what was going to happen and happen in the travel space throughout the year because COVID concerns were lessening. People are just a little bit less concerned about the impact of, you know, being infected with COVID, not just from a health perspective, but also from a logistical perspective. You know, the CDC recently announced new guidelines that kind of lessened the time that people needed to quarantine. And so those logistical considerations don't 
won't necessarily hamper people's travel expectations anymore. And so I think, you know, at the beginning of the year, there was a great hope that the industry was going to really come roaring back. But now because of inflation concerns and concerns about a potential coming recession, we're starting to see that folks are really tightening the purse strings a little bit, um, especially going into the fall season, which is typically a little bit quieter for the travel industry as a whole. So it was a busy early summer. However, there were actually only a couple of days that the the travel numbers outpaced pre-pandemic numbers. So we're still not quite to those pre-pandemic levels of travelers. And, and I anticipate that we're probably going to see, you know, those lower numbers for a while longer because of the cost concerns. It's interesting this summer, you honestly couldn't go a day, it felt like, without a story in the news, specifically looking at airlines, of hundreds of flights canceled, you know, horror stories on social media, people threading their problems, trying to just get from A to B. Uh, how much did that impact airlines when it comes to, you know, people's faith in them, their reputations and stuff like that? Did it hit as hard in the data as it seemed to anecdotally? Yeah, it definitely did. And, and what I found was really fascinating. So um, one of the things that we do at Morning Console is we track trust in all sorts of brands. And so we can look at how trust that consumers have in different specific airlines is changing over time. And we saw that the net trust in the four major airlines, so uh, American, Delta, Southwest, United, really fell pretty significantly in the wake of the early summer cancellations. So looking at that period kind of right between Memorial Day and, and July 4th. What I think was really interesting about that is, yes, absolutely, there were a lot of delays and cancellations, but those delays and cancellations did not hit every airline equally. So for example, Southwest experienced, you know, lower levels of, of disruption than the other three major airlines, but trust in Southwest while higher than the other airlines fell sort of at the same at the same rate. And so what I took from that is that all of the news coverage and the stories that folks were hearing from others and and what they were experiencing themselves you know, impacted the industry as a whole. People weren't really differentiating, okay, it's just this airline and not that airline. It really is. Airlines in general are chaotic right now. And what's interesting is I just looked at an even more recent wave of data and I found the same uh, decline in trust with airports. So people are also, um, you know, kind of questioning whether they can trust and have faith in airports as well. So it really has, you know, impacted the entire air travel industry. And I don't know that if you can tell this, but just from your expertise, is this easily fixable from their standpoint? Could a couple, a few months of quietness, just not, you know, ridiculous stories coming out, could that help it? Or is this stuff that sticks that they're really going to have to work hard to kind of claw back that trust? It sticks for sure. Um, I mean, it, it's come back a little bit in some sense, but I think with the upcoming Labor Day weekend, we're probably going to hear a little bit more about some some delays and cancellations because it's typically a busy busy travel weekend. You know, I think that the challenge from the airline perspective and from the airport perspective is that, you know, these delays and cancellations are rooted in some kind of deep systemic issues, which are staffing issues. So pilot shortages, air traffic controller shortages, support staff shortages, customer service shortages, all those sorts of things are all kind of playing into these issues. And especially when you talk about pilot shortages, that's not something that can be very quickly or easily remedied because it takes a lot of time and training 
for a pilot to be ready to, you know, to, to get in the cockpit. And so I think the, the, the kind of slower fall season will help because we'll hear a little bit less about some of those concerns, but, you know, we're very quickly getting into the winter travel season and people traveling over the holidays, which will, will bring back some of that, that volume again. So one of the things that we're seeing airlines doing is trying to get ahead of that by actually preemptively canceling flights further in advance. That's not what we want to hear as travelers, because it means that there are less flights available. It means that the flights that are available might be more expensive, but it is better than the alternative, which is showing up at the airport and finding out your flight is canceled. And so they're trying to kind of reduce those routes and and, and manage expectations for folks so they can execute on the routes that they have planned and scheduled and sold. How much of the problems with the airlines, it's kind of almost seems self-inflicted, like they did they mishandled the good times financially, a lot of stock buybacks. They could have been dumping into this. Beginning of the pandemic, everything was upside down. So I know there was a lot of things done to maintain payroll. But it, it seems to me airlines specifically maybe could have taken a, a better, more prudent path the last few months that would have uh, softened the edges with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. And then there's also an element of of kind of deregulation that's happened with airlines in recent years as well. And that's one of the things that Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg has been trying to address specifically in the way that travelers are compensated and the kind of traveler's bill of rights and things do go wrong. Because right now, I think one of the things that is exacerbating the issue is not just that flights are delayed and canceled, but that it's unclear and uneven what a passenger's rights are when their flight is delayed or canceled. So they may experience one thing from one airline and one thing from another, a refund from one and an offer of a flight credit from another or nothing from a third. They may experience, you know, different things with the same airline in different scenarios. And so that kind of lack of clarity and transparency is also something that impacts the the traveler trust. If they don't feel like they're getting that consistent experience, that it's going to impact the way that they trust those brands. And so, you know, complaints are up several hundred percent from, from what I see year over year. And, and that is, is part of that as well. So that's something that, you know, certainly the, the government is trying to step in on a little bit, but you know, there's, there are a lot of, uh, you know, kind of issues that need to be sorted out in order to really build that trust back. And, and a lot of it is systemic. And it seems to me, given this moment and all the data and everything you've just pointed out, the door is open for an airline to be bold in that avenue to kind of be proactive in customer service. And, and frankly, maybe, maybe, you know, not returning flying to what it was like in the 50s and 60s when it was a life experience, but go back a little bit more on the turning it into an event, taking care of you if there's a problem. It just seems to me just as a consumer, as a layman, that there's a there's a lane wide open there if an airline wants to try to take it. That's a great point. I think Southwest is one brand that has stood out as, as doing that more often. They've been a more kind of quote, customer-friendly airline with, you know, the things that they feature like, you know, no baggage fees and kind of easy changes and, and things like that that feel a little bit more customer-friendly. But as I said, everybody's a little bit soured on all the airlines <laughs> at this point in time. But I think you're right. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting about the industry is that 
Um, there's not a lot of choice. There's been a ton of airline consolidation over the years. And so the major carriers are, you know, there are few, many fewer than there were in previous years. So people feel a little bit stuck. And it's not like if you want to fly from one side of the country to the other, you have an alternative. You're not going to get in your car and drive for a couple of days. And, and I think, you know, airlines have benefited from that in recent years, but customers have started to get more control in other categories, whether it's, you know, retail or food and beverage or tech. And so they're starting to really crave that control in the, the airspace as well. You know, that airlines aren't necessarily renowned for providing really great customer experiences. So I think to your point, you know, it does seem like there's a bit of a, um, a space there to be, to be owned if an airline is up for it. We need to take a break. We will have more with Morning Consult's Lindsay Roshke right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation with Morning Consult's Lindsay Roshke. We focus a lot on airlines, and I'm just curious, you know, trains, boats, are we seeing the same types of concerns, concerns about cost and stuff like that kind of across the board when it comes to travel? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the other area where we really see that very clearly is in car travel, road trips, mostly because people are concerned about gas prices. But there is a bit of an inverse relationship between air travel and car travel. When people uh, start to travel a little bit less by air, they start to travel a little bit more by car. That's not to say the car is a replacement for some of those long haul flights, but you know some of the kind of shorter trips are are more doable in the car. But but price concerns are still very real, and so we see it really kind of cutting into travel in all facets. That being said, um, the number of travelers that take a train or a bus compared to a plane or a car is is much much lower. So from a volume perspective, you're not seeing as much of that kind of decline in those spaces. Another fascinating takeaway of the research was the idea that business travel probably is never going to be the same. How much of that is COVID health concerns? How much of it is cost? And how much of it is people realize that instead of a weekend conference in Duluth, we can do a giant Zoom for one one thousandth of the price and you know, we don't lose that much with connection, stuff like that. How much is people realizing that the way we've always done things isn't necessarily the only way they have to be done, you think? It's a combination of all of those things. You're, the last point that you made is factor. The fact that we realize we can do things in a way that doesn't necessarily sacrifice efficiency, in fact, can be more efficient at getting people together and also saves on cost is, is definitely something that has led, you know, that has driven a sea change in terms of the way that, that we do business. There are also companies that are, have gone back to quote unquote business as usual, but employees that are saying, you know what, no, I did that. And, and I realized that it was, you know, too much and and I don't want to do it anymore. So there's certainly some of that kind of employee-led choice coming out too. But one of the things that I think is really interesting is early in the year, we were looking at a rising trend of blended travel, which was kind of blending business and leisure travel. It's not something completely new. Some folks were doing it before the pandemic. It was typically extending a business trip by a day or two and kind of adding some leisure activities. But the number of employed people who were interested in blended travel was really high at the beginning of the year. And so we really thought that that was going to be the thing that took the place of traditional business travel, right? It was going to be, hey, I'm going on a leisure trip and I'm going to 
bring some work along with me or schedule some meetings along the way, or I'm going to go on this kind of month long trip and go from place to place and blend the two occasions and work from somewhere else. But what we saw in the most recent data was that the number of people that said that they were going to go on a blended trip really declined compared to the beginning of the year. And I think what's playing into that are, again, those cost concerns. So it's the concern of the cost that the employee has to take on themselves when they travel, and then also businesses cutting back on budgets in the the concerns around a potential looming recession. So even folks that thought, okay, hey, I'm going to get back on the road again, the brakes have been put on a little bit on that as we kind of try and figure out what's, what's happening with the economy. So to your point, the number that we keep seeing over and over and over in our monthly data is about 40% of people who traveled regularly, so three times or more a year before the pandemic for business, say that they will never do so again. And I think, you know, it's a shocking number, but it's been consistent in our data every single month. So there's there's really no denying it now. It's not surprising when you look at it, you know, kind of putting the pieces of what the last couple of years have been together. but. That has ripple effects in all different ways that I don't think you think of. Your immediate thought is, oh, well, companies will save money and maybe, you know, plane traffic will be down. But you're talking like places losing towns and boroughs losing on revenue because they're not getting as many visitors. Like if that sticks long term, which I I think will, maybe not the 40 percent, but a significant chunk we're going to have to adjust to that almost as a society because of the the ripple effects of it now. Yeah, absolutely. And there there's the volume concern that you mentioned, right? You have less folks that are actually traveling, but there's also huge cost implications to that because business travelers simply spend more money. So pre-pandemic in the airline industry, I can't remember what the exact numbers were, but it was something like 12 to 15% of um, airline passengers were business travelers, but they made up you know, more than three quarters of airline revenue. They, they buy more expensive tickets. They spend more. When they're traveling to different destinations, to your point, you know, areas that usually welcome conferences and, and business travelers coming in, they spend a little bit more money on on food and drinks because you know they're they're a little bit less concerned about you know their own financial output. So Absolutely. That has ripple effects, not just in the travel industry, but in entertainment and tourism kind of more broadly. And so I think that's something that, you know, the industry is going to be reckoning with for for a long time to come. We've talked about travel. How about with hotels? Have you seen shifts in who's staying at hotels? What types of hotels with all the moving parts of we've talked about canceled flights and stuff like that are people more likely to book hotels earlier roll the dice and wait till they get there like what have you seen on that front yeah so i think that the story in the the accommodation space is the the kind of constant trade-off between hotels and home shares or vacation rentals so like the airbnbs and the verbos of the world there's a lot in the media, I think, that suggests that the vacation rentals are really taking over the world, and that's not necessarily the case. You know, they they tend to be a little bit more popular among younger travelers, family travelers, and a lot of that is kind of need state based. So, you know, uh, I need a bigger place to fit more people. I need a kitchen to make sure that we have food while we're traveling and things like that. However, hotels are still 
much, much more popular than than vacation rentals are. What's really interesting is when you talk about that kind of booking window, we've seen movement that's a little bit different when it comes to transportation, like air travel, than we have to accommodations. So the booking window for accommodations has actually gotten a little bit shorter in recent months where people are booking air travel a little bit further in advance. Um, One of the reasons people are booking air travel further in advance is because they're more concerned about locking those prices in and they're less concerned about their flight being canceled because of COVID. However, accommodation booking windows, it seems like people are kind of waiting a little bit longer because they feel like they have some more flexibility to book, you know, later in the game. So those booking windows are are getting a little bit shorter. You know, the other thing that I think is important to remember when it comes to hotels and accommodations is that there are ripple effects from canceled and delayed flights there too. So your flight gets canceled, you're not showing up at your hotel on time. So it may not be, you know, the fault or the responsibility of the hotel company or the the vacation rental operator, but you're going to have to deal with a traveler that is, you know, not on schedule and that is probably frustrated because of it. So from, from an operational perspective, there are challenges there, but I think from a kind of brand loyalty and experience perspective, there's a great opportunity for accommodations to kind of swoop in and say, Hey, you've had a really difficult trip. Here's where we can kind of welcome you and provide a better experience. And you can kind of relax now because you don't have to worry about all of the flight stuff anymore. So, you know, potentially a good opportunity there for them in the wake of all of the, the travel disruptions this summer. To that point, are there certain things that travelers are looking for? I will call them perks, but things that we've almost become accustomed to kind of have tos when we stay at a place like free Wi-Fi, stuff like that. Are there certain boxes that almost have to be checked now or uh, somebody's just not going to be interested in staying there? It sort of depends on what kind of type of hotel folks are staying at. I mean, people usually know what they're getting into if they have a, you know, they're booking a budget hotel. The expectations are a little bit lower in terms of the types of amenities and things like that 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 you do expect. You mentioned Wi-Fi. Uh, I mean, free Wi-Fi is sort of table stakes now. I would say that any travel brand that's charging for Wi-Fi is missing a really great opportunity because, or, you know, potentially going to frustrate um, folks that are that are traveling with them because it really is just an expectation. And I think, you know, going back to the the point that I made earlier about people blending business and leisure travel, you know, to the point that people are still doing that, they need to have connections in order to do those Zoom meetings or conferences or whatever they might need to do um, while they're traveling. So it really has, you know, become just table stakes for for travelers. Um, and, you know, there are, there are other things that people, you know, want and expect and, and look for when they're going to hotels. I think, you know, a lot of the things that people are still expecting that we might not kind of realize at this point are some of those COVID protocols to still be in place. I think people's expectations of cleanliness and sanitation and, and things like that really raised during the pandemic. And there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube as far as that goes. But when it comes to other amenities, you know, things like toiletries and, and things like that, it sort of depends on the traveler, their expectations, and, and kind of what um, sort of accommodation they're choosing to stay at. And to kind of bring this home, we talked about with the airlines, the, the problems they had and winning back that trust. And we talk about a certain chunk of business travelers aren't going to travel anymore or are going to travel on a far, far less uh, active uh, calendar. Is there appreciation kind of across the board 
in the travel and hospitality industry, you think, that the game has changed forever? Are there a lot of companies that are kind of holding out saying, nah, I think in a year or two, it'll be back to where it was? Or do most people kind of get that, you know, what we've always done isn't going to be there anymore? I think I've seen some attempts at folks trying to say, hey, we'll be back to normal. But I don't think anybody in their heart of hearts really believes that that, that that's the case. Um, I mean, we had, a, you know, a, a, an extended period of just no travel whatsoever. And I think in that time, people, travelers, reevaluated what was important to them. And so, I, you know, I think we're there, there's no turning back now. That's not to say the industry isn't going to recover, but I think it's never going to look like it did pre-pandemic. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.